This is another episode of the Annoyed Not Offended podcast. For people who are never in a bad mood, everyone else is just annoying. And I'm your host, Sydney. Let's dive into what's getting under our skin this week. Okay, so what is up, you guys? And welcome back to another episode of the Annoyed Not Offended podcast. As always, I'm your host, Sydney, discussing the latest and greatest in the news of what has gotten on my nerves lately. You know, it's for the unoffended but constantly irritated individuals. It has been a while since I have recorded an episode. Like, y'all, I've been fighting for my life, but we gonna get into that on today's episode. Um, I am happy to be back and I'm happy to have new guests. I feel like I'm always like, oh, I got new guests. I got new guests. But I'm always excited to have new people on for my audience to get to know and get to learn from. And this week's episode is something that like I'm kind of obsessed with, you know, I'm a little obsessed with. So again, I am happy to have some new guests this week. And I am joined by the ladies of the Sisters Who Kill podcast, Mariah and Taz. Um, these ladies host the true crime podcast, Sisters Who Kill, where it is all where it is all focused about like crimes committed by Black women, as well as the justice system in terms of how it treats these women. Um, and yeah, I'm happy to have them with me today. Do you guys want to do a quick intro? Yes. Hi, everybody. Hello, hello. Annoyed, not offended. Um, what do you call your people? Baby, I, I don't, we don't got a name for them. Oh, we, hey, friends. Um, <laughs> yes, friends. Yes. <laughs> What's going on, y'all? I'm Mara. Um, I and am. I'm Taz. That's right. And we are Sisters Who Kill, which is a true crime podcast that comes out every Friday. Um, I think we had an amazing introduction where we we talk about true crime and we talk about crimes committed by black women and we talk about how the justice system um ages up black women treats black women through the system how um socioeconomic factors are put into play when going through the justice system and we try to just bring those cases to light of course mm -hmm. you know it's true crime so wrong is wrong but mm -hmm. we always think that there's another side in a story that's not being told because most of the time true crime and crime stories are being told by white people mm -hmm. so that's why we did our show hey Taz <laughs> but yes I am so excited to have these ladies here with me um I'm a huge fan of true crime so I am happy to get into this area of just human psychology and criminology that I think is so interesting. And again, I love the perspective that you all give um, the podcast from in terms of the perspective of Black women who kill. And, you know, with certain episodes and certain cases, like, yes, these ladies have committed a crime, but it's not to say that they hadn't been harmed or anything like that. So I feel like it's very interesting to see how you can tell the perspective from these people that yes they may be criminals but at the same time they've often been like victimized and so forth which I think is really interesting but we will start off with the very first segment of the show we have fed up or fed up so you guys this segment I dedicate to allowing my audience to get to know my guests better because what better way to get to know somebody than what gets under their skin and what annoys the hell out of them 
Um, so do you ladies want to start off or you, would you prefer if I started, whichever? I'm going to let you lead by example so I know how real to go. <laughs> I am weak. You said, look, we got to get get as honest as possible. Well, right now my fed up is fucking moving. Like, damn, I'm tired. Moving oh, is... Yeah. Moving is a lot and it is very much for the birds when you think about the cost the logistics um even giving all this stuff that you have away because you know you realize in essence that when you move you're like I'm not taking all of this stuff with me like I went through my closet I promise y'all I saw so much stuff where it was like this is cute but Sydney be honest when is the last time you wore this if you have not worn this within the last I, I tried to give myself six, five months. I said, I don't need it. Because sometimes shit just be you in your what, closet. You I, know what they say to do? They say to turn all your hangers backwards. And at the end of the year, any hang when you re, when you rehang it up after you've worn it, then you turn it the right way. And any hanger that's left facing the wrong way, that's what you throw away. No, because then my, hang- my closet is going to have hangers backwards and forwards. What? Only for one year. Tazzy, I want you to do that with your closet. Nope. <laughs> no, Not well, happening. Moving is definitely for the birds. I actually just finished moving and it's so tedious. And if you only have a regular car, oh my gosh. Do you know how people be like, I got my truck, you can let me borrow, you can borrow whenever. When you call them, they never there. <laughs> they never there or the schedules just ain't working out or even right. then sometimes you realize I don't want to have to make so many trips like I I'm already a big person on just giving things in general when I don't use them whereas like now I'm just like Sydney do you really even need this like literally my family my family loves to cook and somebody had gifted me like I promise y'all a smoker like for some salmon or something. It was huge. It was this contraption. And I'm like, wait, wait a damn minute. I know I like to cook, but when do, I have never even opened this. Sell it. No, I just gave it away. you're going to need it. <sighs> gave it away. Now, now you're going to want to have a barbecue this summer and you can be like, you know what I need? A smoker. Mm-mm, mm-mm. mm-mm. I'm telling y'all, it's, it's no, mm-mm. My friend's a hoarder. I'm sell it. (laughs) I just gave it away because even then when I like first moved, I don't know if y'all are hip to it, but I remember a friend telling me a while ago that she had joined like her local little free stuff Facebook group or something. And literally somebody had accidentally gotten two TVs and she got like a whole free ass TV. Accidentally. I would have sold it. Like these people were literally like, oh yeah, I ordered this and they accidentally sent two of it. Does anybody want this? But then and just two- gave it away. Yeah. I gotta get on these Facebook groups. Do no, you. do it because it's a way. And I mean, most times people when they put stuff on there, it's not like, oh my gosh, they put a blender on there from 1965. No, they put nice stuff on there. People will be like, Oh, I got gifted two of these or leftover stuff or something I've used twice. Like People really just. I be, be seeing free, 
I be seeing free and then in a fine print, it be like, read the fine print. It's actually $50. Like, they just want to get your attention with the word free. I hate Uh, that. uh, No, like, the group I'm a part of, it literally has to be free. Like, they even say no soliciting or no asking people for money. Like, everything in here has to be free. And sometimes people will actually ask for stuff. Like, I have seen a few moms who are like, oh, like... It's Christmas coming up. I got a few things, bills I'm paying for. I want to get my kids some stuff. Is anybody buying extra toys or know where a toy drive is being had or like a clothing drive? So sometimes people will like help people out. Hmm. So I'm always- I need to get into that. Oh, do it. Do it. But what had you guys fed up or fucked up this week? Do you want to go first, Tazzy? Because I know mine. Oh, no, you go first. (laughs) I will tell you, I mean, there were two things, but one outweighed weighed them all. So okay. I went to Florida this weekend and did a long weekend. I left on Thursday mm-hmm. and I did not get back to my home until Tuesday. Oh, no. On Thursday, when I was leaving, it started storming and I <gasps> the power was out. Totally fine. Didn't worry about it. I got a text message from uh, the power company. I knew, it was, I knew people were working on it. No biggie for my trip. I come back. On Tuesday, why is my refrigerator not working? (gasps) Like I said, I just moved here. So all of the groceries in my fridge are fresh and it smelled so bad. It like I'm opening up my fridge and there's oranges that are molding. My my, um, butter is bad. You know, the cheese is gone. Everything is bad. I couldn't even make myself (laughs) a cup of coffee because I knew I didn't even want to open up the creamer. So of course I go and the freezer was working so I go to the maintenance and I'm like making a fuss and they come and they say oh the fans messed up and they change the fan and I'm just so upset and I'm like you know what Marah this is why you have renter's insurance so I make my claim like you're supposed to I make my claim I do all the things the lady calls me today and she asked me okay well just tell me what happened so I'm lamenting to her I am telling her the entire story just from top to bottom a whole one woman show on the phone with this insurance uh, lady from Geico who was very kind and I tell her like the top was working but the fan stopped working so now all of my food my fresh food I just moved in here it's gone and she's like and it happened because of the power outage I was like yes it was the power outage and they said that my fan messed up after that and she was like okay uh okay well give me the contact information. I need to see how long the power outage was. Let me call your front office. Mm-hmm. She calls my, she calls the front office. She calls me back and she's like, oh, Miss Williams, um, see, it seems like the power outage was for an hour and the fridge messed up because of a appliance malfunction. And so we don't cover spoiled food because of an appliance malfunction. We cover spoiled food when the power was out for more than 24 hours so we can't give you any money to make up for all of the groceries that you have spent freshly moving into your apartment so they said they're not going to refund you girl yes it just happened right before we got on this uh call because okay because i (laughs) because i was on there telling her everything i was like the freezer is working but the the fridge isn't working and the and she was like because it's an appliance error and not because the power was out if the power was out for more than 24 hours i would have got my money back but of course i'm telling her the story i'm telling her what happened and because it was the appliance and not the power insurance Mm -hmm. doesn't cover the spoiled food girl i am bougie now with my food i 
eat pasture-raised eggs. Do you know how much pasture-raised eggs are? They're $7.99 on the cheap end for a dozen. I have a dozen of pasture-raised eggs that are bad. I waste $8 of my life, not to mention all the other belongings. So I'm really upset. And then I had the insurance company was like, don't throw anything away. Just take pictures of your food. So literally I've just taken a whole bunch of pictures of rotten food and kind of just waited for the insurance company. And they told me there's nothing to do. Are you serious? I'm so pissed. I'm so pissed. I want to cry. The show's over. We're going to have to circle back to this. (laughs) We're going to have to circle back to this because there's got to be a way around. Somebody's got to be responsible. Girl, I'm going to see if the front office will do it because at the end of the day, like, Okay, anyways, Tazzy, what had you fucked up? Whew, so much. Um, how can I put this nicely? <laughs> people, people got me fucked up <gasps> who don't like to be held accountable. Oh. Um, I think there are so many people that don't like to be held accountable. I think that's a, a, a big issue with the population. <laughs> it is. And you just need to understand that if you want a relationship with me, mm. you're going to hear the whole truth. And you don't have to like it. <laughs> it doesn't have to feel nice. It's allowed to hurt your feelings, but I'm going to tell it like it is. Mm-hmm. And if that's a problem, mm-hmm. then don't keep asking why we ain't so close. Because it's the problem. I can't be real with you. So you either want it or you don't. Okay. Period. Okay. Tell them, friend. Mm-hmm. So that's what had us fucked up this week. Hey. <laughs> hey. I get it. I feel like those are all things that would definitely get under my skin and have me messed up as well. So you guys, moving on to the second segment As I mentioned before, Mariah and Taz are the hosts of the Sisters Who Kill podcast. Um, True crime podcasts have become so popular over the recent years. And like, I feel like they appeal to people for several different reasons, including myself. Like, you know, people want to know the psychology behind criminal behavior as well as the fact that people want to keep up with current events. So even when you see the latest news and you see Dateline and MSNBC and all of those shows where they're like covering crimes that have happened, I feel like sometimes people want the stories behind these larger things that they've seen. Um, Me personally, again, I love true crime. My mom is a person who's obsessed with true crime, like watching the ID channel and stuff like that. And it somehow just slowly boiled over into my own life with watching Criminal Minds and Cold Case and so forth. And again, as I mentioned before with Sisters Who Kill, what I feel like is the thing that makes the show itself so unique is talking about um, the perspectives of Black women who commit crimes and even going into research some of those crimes, which I think is very interesting just because, you know, when you turn on the news and you typically see crime shows and documentaries and all of this criminal stuff, it is usually about white people. And not to say, not to say that, like, they don't be doing some real heinous shit, but that's who usually the show is about and 
all of these other things that you just see on the news are typically about white people. So even that aspect of diversity and I'm sure if black people commit different crimes than the way we are handling the justice system is also very different. But um, maybe people who aren't as familiar with this show, like what inspired you all to start a true crime podcast? Well, Mariah had been telling us for years, I think Mariah bought us our first mics like five years ago. She has been saying, Tazzy, our conversation is great. We need to start a podcast. And I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, sure, sure, sure. And she'd bring it up like once or twice a year, we need to start a podcast in a pandemic hit. And mm-hmm. I, I'm a TV person, but Mariah will do podcasts so she can multitask and move around and stuff. And I, I noticed we were doing, I was watching true crime TV. I was like watching all the bomber documentaries and biopics that were coming out. Um, like the like the Olympic bomber and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And she was listening to a bunch of crime junkies and stuff like that. And it got to the point, you know, when COVID happened, nobody had anything to talk about. And yeah. so we were, just, we were just talking about true crime and sharing about what we watched. Oh, in this episode today was this, this, this. And in this episode today was this, this, this. We was like, this is it. This is our podcast. <laughs> this is the conversation that's going to be it. Wow. So, um, so Mariah said, we need to get some episodes built up and we're going to launch on March 12th because Mariah's a theater girl and March 12th is the day that the theater shut down due to COVID mm. and we got nothing prepared. <laughs> mm. We had nothing prepared. We launched on March 12th, no announcements, no gear up. We just dropped the episode and said, hey guys, we did a thing, check it out. And we've been going ever since. Nice, nice. I love that. And I love how you said too, it it was something that easily translated over into what you was just talking about having regular everyday conversations like girl mm-hmm. why did I watch this or why did I hear about that so it's mm-hmm. nice to and see that's that exactly that how our show goes and but it's nice to see that that happened just organically and mm-hmm. one thing too how do you all select the cases that you cover we have a list um we have a running list that We'll do research and just kind of find things. Mm-hmm. We have people that will suggest a lot of cases to us. That's where we get a lot of cases. And mm-hmm. then when we go and we do a lot of historical cases and to do those cases, they're not covered like by a simple Google search. So we'll go on newspaper.com and it is very mm-hmm. surprising. It is not surprising. It is surprising how not surprising it is the the phrases that we have to put into a database like newspaper.com is that my neighbor upstairs marching um (laughs) he's he's been arguing with his woman for a while um you it's surprising how much the phrases that we have to put into newspaper.com to get to learn about murderesses some of them Mm -hmm. are like murdering negress or um (laughs) Negro murderess, you'll find a lot of cases that you've never heard of before, some that don't even have enough information for us to do a full case on. Just see what you can find on newspaper.com. And we were like, look how we've always been per- per- look how we've always been perpetuated through the media. Mm-hmm. How do we 
stop that or how do we address it? Mm -hmm. Um, I think that it may not be our job to stop it, but it is our job to address it and to tell people when they are wrong. And of course, some of these articles are written way back in, way back when, 1920s, 1930s, earlier. And that was the language that was used. And also that was the language that shaped how people see black women, Mm -hmm. not Mm -hmm. just now, but then and how it there, it's the exact same. Like we've did a case, um, Virginia Christian in, in the state of Virginia. And she was the only minor executed in the state of Virginia because she got into a fight with a woman that was, she was employed by, it was a whole big thing. And, um, the thing that they were trying to prove was, I mean, she was a thick girl. She was dark skin, short hair. And they were like, no way she's 15. This girl has to be at least 21 years old. No way she's 15. Try her as an adult. There's no way. And it's like, no, you're aging up black kids because that's racist. (laughs) Like, um, so that's why some of the, the language and the things that we put behind the, the intention that we put behind our storytelling is so important. But I think you guys do a great job of that. Just like from what I've listened to in your episodes, I feel like you you showcase those criminals that, yes, they had no damn business doing this. However, when you look back over their life and their violent tendencies or their being kind of abused and maybe that going under the radar when they tried to talk with people about this, like you guys really, I think, try to still shine a light on that. And a lot of times that's what what is missing. I feel like from a majority of those stories and how they're covered and even just in general, like the lack of coverage surrounding these things. Like I remember even back when I had started to really get into true crime podcasts and one of the first podcasts I listened to talked about like the Cleveland Strangler like the guy who was literally Mm -hmm. strangling women in Cleveland and how it went under the radar for so long because the women he was attacking were impoverished, um, had substance abuse issues and all of these other things and how he was literally getting away with murdering these women and just keeping them in his house. Yep. For all of those years. And like literally all of these women would just be gone. Lack of of news coverage. They're stories are not as important as white women going missing at all like when you think about how they glamorize and just overuse all of these white serial killers like you see all this stuff about ted bundy you see all this stuff about jeffrey dahmer like they have made movies and movies and movies about all of these people time and time again and it's like what what I want to see this and even outside of the historical historical cases you see it with those current cases like I remember growing up as a kid and I'm sure y'all remember but Natalie Holloway was mm-hmm. she not everywhere for literally like two three years straight yep she <laughs> was consistently in the news cycle Natalie Holloway um I forget the woman's first name but the Peterson case Scott Peterson like that was something that was consistently in the news so you hear about their cases time and time again yeah and you don't hear any cases about little black girls or little black boys going missing Mm -hmm. um and you don't hear about cases that of crimes that are committed mostly by black women because those cases aren't 
cared about. And if you, mm. if you do a good job of keeping it under the radar, then you do a good job of making sure that social media or the mass media before social media got a hold and protested because mm-hmm. they didn't like black people doing that, still don't. And it's ridiculous. It is ridiculous when you think about it. And like, even then, outside of just the general information, in what ways do you feel that Black women's experience in the criminal justice system has differed from those of others? Like outside of the general systemic racism and so forth. Repeat the question. I'm sorry. Are you okay? And just what ways, and and have, well, I guess I can say more so, have there been any cases that really stuck out to you guys that you felt like you had to be very sensitive about the victims or even the people that committed the crimes? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'd say most, even this last week's episode, yeah, most of them, but even this last Mm. week's episode, like being sensitive, I think a lot of people, so our last, episode was Brisha Meadows, right? Mm -hmm. And so the mom was in an abusive relationship, had kids with this man, the kids grew up in fear of their father, and the daughter at 14 years old ends up shooting her father and killing him. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, I feel like we had to tell that story very delicately, because I feel like it's very easy to just say, the mom should have did better. And I feel like that's mm. a lot of response we're getting, but it's just like, mm. understand the cycle of an abusive relationship. Mm-hmm. And everybody's just like, put your kid first, but being in that place and being in a mindset where you think your kids are okay, like when you feel like you're taking it all on and mm-hmm. you don't think, you don't know how bad it's affecting your kids. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And just, mm-hmm. just it's the cycle of an abusive relationship. And it's mm-hmm. it's not over until that person is over it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's nothing anybody else can do about it. And so I felt like mm-hmm. definitely trying to tread on how we tell it. Like as much as we want it better for her, I don't feel like I can blame her mom because mm-hmm. that's just how it goes. For sure. Yeah. I also think the cases where um, our death penalty cases, mm. they're because everybody has different opinions and Taz and I have different opinions about uh, the death penalty. Mm-hmm. And so making sure that we are able to poke holes into the justice system as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, what's, what's, what's my girl name? Uh, what's her name? Um, Wanda Jean. Wanda Jean. <laughs> I love Wanda Jean. That's about the only person you want to spare. Yeah. <laughs> I love Wanda Jean. I love her so much, but that's because, well, I think that she was a lovely person at heart, but she also had a lot of mental issues. She was put into prison multiple times. She was put into prison for the same crime multiple times, and they were for Mm. killing somebody. And each time it was an attack on a lover. So clearly she, there's history of her having brain damage from when she was a teenager. There's Mm. history of her, even before she had brain damage, her first crime was stealing food to feed her family because she was a big sister. Like there's Mm. so many ways, when she was a minor, they said, hey, you guys need to make sure that you keep up with her, make sure that she is having some kind of uh, psychiatric care. Nobody Mm. followed up with her. Nobody made sure that she was getting the treatment. And even mm-hmm. if she, somebody did follow up with her, how the hell was she supposed to pay for that treatment? How the hell was she supposed yeah. to pay for the medicine? So mm-hmm. 
those cases, like, do I think that Wanda Jean was wrong and she should have done what, and she should not have done what she should have, do I think that Wanda Jean was wrong and she should not have done what she did? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. if I had it my way, she would be spending the rest of her life in prison. But I also think that the state did not take in consideration that they were putting to death somebody that did not have the mental capacity to mm -hmm. under fully understand their emotions when they were doing the crime. And I feel like if it was a mm -hmm. white woman, they would have taken that into consideration. But no, mm -hmm. Wanda Jean was a stud and these were lesbian lovers and she had gold in her mouth and a jerry curl and she was walking in there smooth. Like they didn't wanna see that. Mm -hmm. And if she can walk in looking smooth with a jerry curl and a gold tooth, she probably knew what she was doing during these crimes. And granted she did, but no one took in consideration that they said in medical records, hey, she when she is triggered, she does not know how to control her emotions and she acts out mm -hmm. violently. Mm -hmm. Somebody, somebody should be making sure that she's straight before mm -hmm. she acts again. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, taking all those things into consideration is really important. But again, I feel like you guys do a really good job of ensuring that that is put across like in your discussions. Um, and I, I guess my thing is too, a lot of people don't view true crime from that lens. Like a lot of people are so warped and I feel like hearing these crimes and kind of literally sensationalizing the person who committed them to being just this demon and this devil and all of these other things where it's like, okay, have you considered the, the humanistic aspect of it? Like a lot of times these people come in with some sort of trauma. Mm -hmm. These people mm -hmm. have been neglected. The Even the relationships with some of their victims, their victims might have assaulted them or their victims might have been abusing them. Like you don't know where this person was psychologically when they even committed these crimes. And yeah. again, I feel like the, like you said, a lot of these stories involving Black women, it's not like these Black women are just like, again, quote unquote, kind of those like, I don't know, like when you hear about white crimes, like even, um, oh my gosh, what's the guy? They did like a whole show on him or a documentary. What's his name? Chris which Watts. One? Oh, Chris, yeah. Chris, again, even <laughs> which one? Like you hear all of these true crime stories about these men who have been adulterous and having affairs and they're like, I don't want my wife to know. So they literally just get done. What are they? They have a name for them, but like basically they just murder their whole families like we hear so many stories about that or even just husbands who are like I don't want to be with this person anymore so I have to get rid of them I don't want to pay them any money like we hear so many stories of those sorts of villains that we just vilify all of these other people yeah and I think it's I, will, I do want to jump back to one of your questions about mm -hmm. where do we see injustice mm -hmm. um, or even lack of awareness within the mm -hmm. justice system. And I think a big thing that Taz and I talk about are, is actually in the jail and in the prison. Mm -hmm. So, and this, these are the times that you get to dehumanize a specifically black woman. Mm -hmm. You go get your mugshot, you're, you, they don't care how you do it, but you need to get that wig off, figure out a way to unglue the lace front figure out a way to cut the tracks out. You're looking at your most vulnerable, literally. And as black women, like, we don't want you to see the braids that are underneath my wig. Like, and if I have tracks and you're literally going to cut them out so that I can take this mugshot. And yes, we can argue that it's a safety concern, but at the end of the day, it's a way to dehumanize a black woman. And it's a way to make sure that her mugshot is as horrible as possible because that is what you're going <laughs> to plaster onto the media. Mm -hmm. um, 
another thing that is that we hear about from women that are in jail and are in, are in prison, if they don't have any money, you do get a very tiny bit of toiletries, right? Like you'll get mm -hmm. a um, travel size shampoo and conditioner. More than likely, it's Pantene. Mm -hmm. Who is going to be able to shampoo date? Or see any type of see any type of hair other than straight and blonde hair with Pantene, and this is all you have for maybe a week if you're lucky, maybe a month if they don't care, and this is all you have to wash your hair. Feminine products, you don't they're just the awareness because you're not worried about um, you don't have to worry about this with men and in men's prison, so it's a second thought when you're thinking about women and women's prison and also the needs of women. So, um, and how they're treated, the ability for women, which they also take different from men, is they forget that women usually, they're the rock in the family. Mm. Black women specifically are the rock in the family. We had a case where um, a mother killed a man, tortured him, got other people to torture him because he ass sexually assaulted, he raped mm. his, her one-year-old daughter one-year-old and i mean drug him in the street did all the things that any mother mm -hmm. said that they would do if somebody did this to their child straight up mm -hmm. the thing she had children now the kids she's up north i believe she's in chicago if my mind serves me correctly now the children are all the way in louisiana with grandma oh, wow. now look the even though she's in prison and she of course she's constant she was found guilty and she's constantly fighting for appeals because of the circumstances of her case but she can't even see her children now mm. and now these children who had their mother who was like oh is mommy gonna protect me mommy did protect me now mommy's in prison they mm. now have no relationship with their mother whatsoever so now here we go the cycle continues mm. i also think i also think humanizing is very important and i think that's honestly my favorite part of the episode because I kind of come into it like why there's got to be some reason or at least a little bit why it might not mm -hmm. be a good enough excuse mm -hmm. but like you said these shows like Jeffrey Dahmer it's like oh but if you look at in his past his parents abandoned him and it's like where is that sympathy when you're going into these black people's trials there's been so many cases that Mara and I have looked up and found out about their case and found out about their childhood and their upbringing and it's never brought up in trial Yep. And it's so important it. to paint the full picture. And so I feel like that's what we try and do with the show. Like, it's nothing we can do about it now. But I think a lot of people who listen come back and be like, I was against her the whole time until the end when you said this. And then I was like, okay, maybe. Y'all softened me on her a little bit. And it's just like, at the end of the day, these are people. Yeah. Yeah. And again, right. I feel like... So many times we are shown over and over again these cases of people who have some sort of privilege that, again, I think people just villainize people and write them off so quickly. Like even thinking about cases like O.J. Simpson, at the end of the day, O.J. Simpson is still a man and he was a very wealthy man when that right. trial happened. So you have to take that into consideration. Um, even thinking about, I can say, I feel like, I know we talked uh, before a little bit about Crime Junkie and how I think they also do a good job of even bringing up those stories of victims that you tend to not hear anything about. Just because, again, so much is like swept under the rug in terms of coverage and mm -hmm. media. Like I even remember learning about, oh, my gosh. I think it was a case in like Mesa, Arizona, and they still to this day haven't found the assailant. But there have been 
years and years of all of these indigenous women disappearing. Yeah. And it had been like 15 years and the area that it was in that they were even finding their bodies was the desert. So it was like, well, one, who's going to go out there and dig and look? And then again, are these women more so those people that are like considered the undesirables of society? Like they somehow might have participated in sex work or they might have had, again, substance issues or these are people mm -hmm. who had whatever mental illnesses. And it's like, just because again, at the end of the day, they may have gone through, et cetera, that still doesn't grant you a right to just kind of put them away as trash, which they do. Yeah, they absolutely do because you don't fit the Eurocentric, the Eurocentric standard of what mm -hmm. you should be. Um, and mm -hmm. I think that's why we, I know that we specifically cover crimes committed by Black women, but the rate of missing and murdered Indigenous women is astronomical their stories are not being told the rate of missing and murdered black girls is astronomical those stories are not being told and murdered black boys also not being told so we i feel like tazzy in our small section of mm -hmm. true crime we really itched out a niche that allows us this mm -hmm. ability to touch on all the things that are wrong mm -hmm. um and hopefully giving light to the possibilities of a just system and you know what's crazy? I was going to bring that up too, because now podcasts are kind of serving as a very good like chain of, that's, I wouldn't say like evidence, but a lot of true crime shows are now tapping into more of that justice element. Like, hey, I've been researching this and looking at it. Like there are a lot of inconsistencies here. Like are we sure we didn't connect this with this or something with that? Like, I'm sure you guys have heard about Serial um, and how that looked into the killing of the woman. Um, oh, my goodness. Hyman Lee, who died and how she died in like Baltimore County. And even then touching on the element of the fact that they kept saying her boyfriend was the one who, you know, had done the crime. And he was also and these were two people of color, the victim was Asian, and then the person who they accused of committing the crime was Middle Eastern. So even looking into that and how they used all of this evidence to help with basically, you know, um, having them say it was a mistrial, which I think was crazy. Yeah. Because you think about the fact that that boy sat there, like they literally charged him when he was only like 18 years old. And it's sad in the sense of two, not to say that the woman, um, Sarah Koenig, who like hosted and produced the show, didn't do her research, but at the, end of the, at the end of the day, that's still a white woman who was using her voice to get that notoriety and attention around it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I do think that Black true crime podcasters are an up and coming sector. And I think it's so important because Mm -hmm. It's just the stories are being whitewashed mm -hmm. and there is a perspective that we have that white people just don't have. Like, mm -hmm. um, for instance, our, the first case, um, Jazz and Taz, everybody's like, their mom, of course their mom loved her because when the girls, they always were, um, in designer clothes, hair done, da, 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 they always look good. And I was like, 
that does not make a good mom. Like, I'm not saying that mm -hmm. she wasn't, that's not my place to say, but what I do know is the very normal cycle of a young kind of feeling guilty about not being a mom, mom, black mom is going to do is like, Hey, I'm upset with you. And they're going to argue or whatever. And then the next thing that is going to be is y'all want to get something to eat or I bought all these clothes or come sit down. Let me do your hair. Like it's mm. not a real conversation. It's not a real apology. You don't get anywhere in a black household, usually, especially between mother and daughter, mm. in that case, daughters, um, because of this weird cycle that mothers, black mothers and daughters have where we're angry and then we just never talk about it again. And so the mm. tension is still there and the tension continues to build and nobody is addressing it until it's too late. Mm. And that's wow. the perspective, like white people don't have, they don't know what goes on in a black household. They don't, they can't think that way because it's not their lived experience. Even if they were the most um, empathetic person ever, they still can't fathom it because it's just not in their wheelhouse. Mm. Right. Mm. And I mean, that, that makes complete sense. And I feel like you bring up a great point. Cause it's like, you have to tell these very, like, you have to tell these stories from the perspective of a black woman to gain further depth and insight to the case. Cause if right. you don't, then you're not looking at it from that veil of humility that we have for one another and understanding things and the nuances of our culture. So for them to be like, Oh, this woman took care of her kids and oh they like you said oh they were clean and they look like this like what does that have to do with any verbal or emotional trauma that was going on in the household exactly because right. again like you said black parents quit well you I took care of you I did this like just because you are making sure somebody looks clean and ensuring they have some sort of financial stability that is not that does not mean you can't inflict pain upon them in other ways correct mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, that is, whew. but again, I feel like, again, what better people to tell it than you all? And I feel like you guys go about it in a way of handling it with that, um, with being like delicate in that way. Um, what's one thing that you hope listeners take away from your podcast, like after an episode? Hmm. I, I think, think that can sometimes vary from episode the episode yeah so like i think there are certain episodes that get either me or Mariah on a soapbox and it's like <laughs> what would you say are your what what are your um episodes that you feel like get you a little bit more riled up and more talkative um oh definitely are... definitely ones where you can blatantly see the unjust Mm -hmm. in the system and like there's certain things that just are always recurring things like mm -hmm. women getting treated less than or impoverished people getting less than and it's just like the system is not fair because you can buy your way to freedom mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. black people as a people are so at a disadvantage to have money just to begin with from mm -hmm. sy systemic racism and then in that the laws that are made to put even more black people behind behind jail cells and stuff like you say people who are under the poverty line most of them come from a one-parent home you took niggas you took dads out the home in the 80s 
you know, mm-hmm. when you did the war on crime. Drugs. Most people who are on yeah, the war on drugs, my bad. You took you took and then planted drugs and guns are, into the community. Sorry, go ahead, friend. When when people were making generational wealth for their family. Think mm-hmm. about when black people started owning property and owning their own stores. What did white people do? They went and burned it down. Mm-hmm. It was going in there fucking their shit up. And so every time then, we try and get that step up. But Taz, it's crazy you say that because even then you brought up a good point. Think about the disadvantages that black people already have, even if they're not mm-hmm. a part of the criminal system. But even mm-hmm. looking back on, again, those cases that have a little bit more um, attention on them and that are being, you know, paraded on media. Even thinking about the Murdaws, the Murdaugh murders with mm-hmm. Alex Murdaugh, mm-hmm. like even how his family had been connected to all of those murders over the years. And you never heard anything about it until finally shit hit the fan. Cause they're like, oh wait, your family is now involved in four or five murders. Like, wait a second, maybe we should investigate. Maybe there's so. something mm-hmm. that's a little bit off. Like, what it's been a string of murders connected in this family and somehow mm-hmm. some way they always walked away unscathed the people that they've committed their crimes against don't have as much money as them interesting money money and power Uh-oh. and i mean that was everybody laughs we have a segment called uh i'm not black i'm oj and it, of course it's a big everybody talks about you know oj saying that but really what he was saying is it was that he had so much money that mm-hmm. he felt like he transcended race and he at the did end of the day, when you have enough money and you know he's a football player which white men love so once you have enough money in a sense there is a possibility of you transcending race in the justice system because you can buy the things that you need we were just talking about um the Brisha Maddow case that just came out last week for us and they were t- her Luckily, her defense team was pro bono. They took that case on. However, to pay for specialists, uh, mental health specialists to testify uh, for her, to pay for, um, not attorney fees, but all the specialists to pay for her to get treatment, to pay for her to get medicine, to pay for all the things that she needed in order to just make it through the trial. It was a couple, it was like $25,000. Who has 25, and that's not including the lawyer fees or anything like that because they were pro bono. Who has a minimum of $25,000 to make sure that you can be set free for a crime that was committed? Nobody, not I, at least not I. I don't know about y'all. I don't know y'all pockets. Right. I don't have $25,000 just laying around. And I mean, but that's a good point because when you think about it, people are putting up their houses Yes, mm-hmm. they're having to put up their homes their and it's cars. just for the lawyer. It's just sometimes it don't lawyer. even be the lawyer. It just be for what is it like bond? Just getting the yeah, bond. you know what I'm saying. And so a lot of these times, a person can be innocent and spend all this time in jail because the family can't afford to bond them out. That's what happened to um, what's his name, Khalif Broder, with his family. Mm-hmm. They Has never he. had enough money. That was crazy. Did you hear about Biggie's daughter putting up? Biggie's apartment to get her boyfriend out of jail on some house. I was hoping that you didn't say her boyfriend. She, Biggie, Biggie, who? Biggie Smalls? Yes. Christopher Wallace? Put up the Brooklyn apartment 
it's within the past six months she put up the brooklyn apartment so that she could pay her boyfriend's bond who was in there for murder you dumb i'm sorry because you can really lose that and why would you want to why why is some random nigga worth your daddy's legacy but like these are the things that people will do (laughs) now she did ass wrong what (laughs) yep i had never heard of this oh my god that is crazy first of all what did he do you have to put up your daddy's house and that ain't even your husband and I know your daddy's house worth a lot of money. Mm-hmm. I think she got a couple. I think she got probably a um, few meal for it. That's she put crazy. up her one point five million Brooklyn home. Yep. Mm. Yeah, I hope you don't screw her crazy. over. You better show up to court. I'm in an assault case. Then he gonna be on the. Then he gonna be no, on a murder. Run. I think. I think it was. I think it was. I think it was a homicide. Either way, girl, I'm not putting up one. Boy, mm-hmm. let me tell you to anybody that we're not even me married. Now will date me in the future unless there is a. If I'm married, we should at least have something in the bank for me to pay some of that. Oh, anybody that is dating me, I am not putting up anything. <laughs> I support it. I supported my friend because what? If you don't have a pin number for me to go get the funds, you're gonna have to sit, <laughs> my boy. Like, First of it. all. <laughs> I, I just hope his family ready to do the GoFundMe because that's all I got for y'all. I don't have yes. nothing for y'all. Listen. That is crazy. I had not heard that. She should be ashamed of herself. Because what? A million dollar bond? A million dollar bond? You, you, a million dollar bond? Sit there, my boy. Sit there. It's okay, Bookie. Just sit. Ooh, that that that's act that's actually absurd. Um. Oh, and one last question that I had too: with certain cases, how do you guys stay up on developments over cases that you may have covered in the past? We don't listen. <laughs> they come to us like, "Hey, here's an update." We're like, "Great." <laughs> okay. Post it in the discussion group so that everybody knows. We do have a discussion group. There is almost 10,000 people in that discussion group. And they keep each other updated on what's going on in the world. They uh, give personal stories about if they knew. Some people, like, grew up in the same area that a crime committed. So they'll tell things like that. They will correct us if we say wrong things um, all the time. Um, So, yeah, I like that we've made a community so that we don't have to continue to tell the same stories over and over and over again. Oh my yeah. gosh. Wow. I mean, well, that's a good way to stay connected. And then too, I feel like liking true crime, that's already very niche. Like my friend mm-hmm. who likes true crime, we talk about the episodes on the true crime podcast, but do I talk about that with anybody else? No. And right. see here, it's their own community. Sometimes you'll see them like, ah. Oh. You're in New Jersey? We should have a meetup. And I'm like, look at y'all making real friends. That is nice. Not you said y'all, look at y'all having real friends. Yeah, that is nice. <laughs> that is nice. I had never uh, ever thought about that. I just know like when I hear wild ass cases or stuff like that, I usually just tell my friends, I'm like, girl, what's going on? And I mean, too, I can say with social media now, like, 
people really do be curious about certain things, like even with the um, Chanquilla Robinson case, like how they came out with that update. And for a while, so many people are like, what is going on with this case? Because that's utterly ridiculous. Uh-huh. Yeah, um, we actually don't do cases until they've had a conclusion. So mm. the discussion group is we have that community, which is really great because they keep each other updated. But we don't mm. actually do cases on the episode until there mm. is some type of finalization. Either they plea out, they plead guilty, they plead mm-hmm. innocent, they're found innocent, they're found guilty. Um, that's so that's why we haven't touched it yet. But mm. and also it's just too early. Like I don't mm-hmm. think we don't have all the facts. The parents mm-hmm. and the family don't have all the facts. And I think that it is a mm-hmm. detriment to the investigation for us or for any true crime podcast to cover a case that is still open and is mm. still going through the justice system. And parents are because it does it a disservice in a way. Absolutely, because. Mm. We've seen plenty of, there used to be this show, I don't know if it's still on Netflix, it it was, I watched it way before we started our podcast called Trial by Media, and it used to talk about cases where mm-hmm. people would get so, the public would get so invested into these cases, and they swear that somebody's wrong, swear that somebody's wrong, but mm-hmm. maybe at the end they're right, or vice versa, so I think that it is important for us to be vigilant and to say, hey, the public still wants to know answers, but it is a disservice for the public to make assumptions. Hmm. I believe it. Would you say there are any crimes or any stories that you've told that really like stick out to you? Mm. Like any that are just ingrained in your brain? Like, I don't know oh. what it was about this one. I know what yours is going to be. Oh. oh, let's take a guess. Let's see if you're right. Are you gonna talk about Berlina? Yeah. <laughs> um, she. It was a case that happened over in Europe, I think, and she she threw acid on her boyfriend or ex boyfriend. Mm-hmm. It's a little. I don't know what stage they were in, but he was trying to get away from her, but she kept threatening mm-hmm. to kill herself. Anywho, she threw acid all over him and his face was like literally melting off. He had to have mm-hmm. a skin graft over like 35% of his body or something. Mm-hmm. He had throat infection. I, 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 Pretty much everywhere except for maybe 75%. Yeah. Yes. Right. I remember maybe. that episode. I remember that episode because she was, wasn't she South African? Or yes. No? Yeah. Okay. And then okay. moved to Europe. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. I find this case so interesting is because what she did to him did not actually kill him, but Mm -hmm. it made him so miserable that he wanted to die. Mm -hmm. And so he moved to a place that would let him do a medical suicide or something Mm -hmm. like that. And Mm -hmm. once he died, they upped her charges to murder. And I thought it was very interesting how they tried to play with that and give her more time. Mm -hmm. Um, Y'all can listen and see how the turnout was, but I loved that case. I thought it was very interesting the way they tried to flip that. Because he survived the whole year later. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But he was in excruciating pain. Like, I know somebody that mm-hmm. has a burn just on their hand, and even then, it is excruciating pain for just, like, your hand. Mm-hmm. So, your entire body. Who? Um, I think uh, the murder of Amani Moss is 
a case that it's like one of our i think it's our first or second episode ever mm. it's not our first but it's our second or third episode ever mm-hmm. and this is also one a case that gets me on the soapbox because this case specifically speaks about how the child welfare system mm. failed and mm. a lot of times we see cases where the people that are put in place by the government to help make sure that children are safe and that they're Mm. in safe environments continues to fail. And Mm. I think that there is, if we pull back, there is a bigger problem in the system. And so I love to get on this soapbox about how the government wants to talk about money and where to spend money and where we need to pull money. And they're not feeding it into schools. They're not feeding it into um, the DCFS workers, they're not feeding it there. These DCF workers are, if they care, most of them, I really do, my heart really believes that they go into their work caring. But when you're overworked and underpaid and mm. not appreciated, these cases like this little girl who was starved by her mm-hmm. stepmother while the other children were in the house, fine. The other children in the house were healthy and happy. This girl mm-hmm. suffered. Her dad was too busy working, didn't recognize, wasn't aware. This girl was suffering, ran away from home multiple times. Family's concerned about her. This girl, this her stepmama cut off her hair. She cut off this, and this girl had big pigtails, like cut off her mm-hmm. hair. And nobody, no, people did say something. People did say something. Her aunt said something. Her grandma said something. Her teacher mm-hmm. said something. Mm-hmm. And nobody made sure that she was okay. And those are the type of cases that hurt my heart. And they, I feel like they're the reason why we need to stand up and do this podcast because they're so, because we talk about caseworkers hurting these caseworkers, not paying attention to these women when they're in their young age, therefore leading to a life of crime, but also caseworkers not paying attention to these girls at a young age, leading to these young girls dying. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. that's a case that in right now, her stepmother, Tiffany Moss, is the only woman on death row in the state of Georgia. Um, and that case also was really cuckoo bananas, just like the cuckoo bananas of that specific case. She tried to represent herself and she didn't speak. She didn't say nothing like and other than OK and yeah and yes, your honor. Like she didn't say anything. She didn't cross examine anybody. She was just it was cuckoo bananas. And then after she lost the case, she was like, oh, I think I like a lawyer now. No, girl, it's done. I don't know how now. You lost. That is utterly ridiculous. I know I can definitely say, oh my gosh, the Felicia Blakely story. Oh, that yeah. That to me, that case was nuts because not even just so much the case, but again, going back to how can a person's entire life change the traje- trajectory of like what will happen to them? Like, like you said, this girl had a history of being in an environment that didn't value her and did not pay attention to her. And then she's easily succumbing to these men that are violent and aggressive as a way to get what they want. And Just the fact like her that mom and her and grandma. The, and the fact that she wanted so desperately for that not to be her. Mm-hmm. Like she knew this this doesn't lead anywhere, but it's like 
well, if these women are just letting men do whatever to them and they're not even sticking up for me or paying attention to me, like, do I even matter? I can go be with somebody just like that. And at least they'll be able to take care of me. At least they'll be able to give me money, buy me clothes. Like, it was so sad. And you think that's love. Oh my gosh. Like, even I forgot... I forgot Lance Gross, his character's name, but even how he came in and swept in, like he really was pretending like, oh, I'm going to be your savior. I'm going to be the person to like, you know, get you out of here. You don't deserve to be here. But then how quickly he turned on her and was like, well, once you under my thumb, you under my thumb and you ain't going nowhere. Like once we together, we together. Yep. It's Mm -hmm. so love can turn into manipulation so quick. And it is, it's hard for the average person to Mm. recognize it. Mm -hmm. So somebody that is already, that already has a background of trauma and a background of not seeing the right examples in front of them, they're more susceptible to being with men that do not value them or being in, in environments that are not of their best interest and thinking that, you know, they got it. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think of anything else. I feel like we touched on it all. Like you ladies telling about your background, what drew you to the space of a true crime and even how you go about, you know, just reporting and storytelling, which I think is phenomenal and keep up the amazing work because again, there are so like, I don't know, these stories need to be told just as anybody else's. And I think again, it just sheds light to how black female victims are perceived and even then the black women that you know commit crimes but yeah you guys moving on to the final segment of the show we have you are drove so drove is basically midwest st louis lingo for you thinking that something was going to go your way And it particularly did not like we've all been there. Um, I feel like there have been a lot of stories recently in the news about shit just going the wrong way. So I had a few options to pick from, but I picked something that was a little bit more lighthearted and all in all a bit funny. But I'm sure so many of you like me stayed up on Sunday trying to watch the Love is Blind reunion on Netflix. But Netflix has some issues like one they kept saying oh hey we're gonna do this whole thing live we're gonna showcase the reunion and I feel like most times with any reality show people are tuning in for the reunion since they've seen everything they're like okay they're gonna finally get a chance to discuss what happened throughout this season so I myself was looking forward to it do either of you ladies watch Love is Blonde? No. No. Not at all. I no. said, uh oh. <laughs> go ahead. And Tazzy loves reality TV. Tazzy loves reality TV. And I think my thing right now is 90 Day Fiance is my reality. Hey, TV. hey. <laughs> well, I can honestly say this was the first season I've watched all the way through. Like, okay. I've seen episodes of other seasons and maybe stopped. Like, I wasn't as committed as I was this round. And I can only say I was committed this round of love is blind because baby they was messy (laughs) they were messy like Mm. everybody got out of the pods and realized that they did not like the person that they had selected 
I did see a clip of that uh, light-skinned nigga with green eyes uh, give that girl a ring, and the girl was like, maybe I'm watching some random clip on Twitter, but the girl was like, uh, no, I want to see what is going to work out with so-and-so. And he was like, well, give me the ring back. And she was like, no, nah, I'm not going to give you the ring back. And he was like, okay, well, then keep the <laughs> ring. If you don't yes. the ring, every time you look at the ring, make sure you think about me. Yes. I was like, boy, you just got bitched out. Because let me tell you what I would have walked away right. with. The yes, ring. Yes, that, that was Marshall and Jackie. So that's the thing about this season, too, is it hasn't so much. It's not so much that there has been a lot of back and forth or people being petty. I think, again, these cast members this season just weren't as oh, self-aware is mm. I feel like other seasons, like, again, with that particular couple, the woman, her name is Jackie. She had two options. She liked a guy named Josh, and she liked a, jo- a guy a guy named Marshall. And the thing is, you know, they're in the pods, and they're getting to know each other and stuff. And I feel like she was drawn to the guy Marshall, but she also liked the guy Josh. And essentially, she went with Marshall, who to me, in my opinion, in my opinion, I felt like she saw him as the safer option. Just my opinion. I felt like she saw him as a safer option. So that's who she went with. However, you know, once they out of the pods, they like, you know, that was like, y'all, y'all asses go get married. Okay. We putting y'all in the house together. Mm-hmm. Y'all going on vacation together. Like they really try to then show the element of like, okay, how do they actually interact with each other like how compatible are these people when we take them out of these pods that they've been in for 12 hours a day with these people like you obviously are really gonna see the end because if i'm trapped with somebody like yeah we might get along way you can only fake it for so long you can't you can't and that was the thing i feel like she was trying to keep that up once they were outside of the pods and just did not know how to be honest about that with a guy Marshall. So she was still kind of like, well, I don't know if I'm ready to be as committed as I want to be. And then she kind of started doing some low blows and started being like, well, Marshall isn't as masculine as I would have liked him to be. No. He's, 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 he's very sweet. And he was, he was more of a gentler, calmer guy. Like, and I think she that was essentially just not her cup of tea. So she went with another option who was like an MMA fighter, some something. It's, his name is Josh, but he's like an MMA fighter. And even then, he was a little bit more aggressive with her in the pods. Like, yeah, because I like you because we you ain't going to be talking to nobody uh, outside of talking to me. Like he was just a, a, he went about asserting his dominance in a different way. Mm, that's toxic and I don't like that because first of all um that's not love and thinking (laughs) that somebody is supposed to be mean to you is love is not it um that there's probably some deep unlearning and maybe her and I would love my therapist um also I saw usually if he's not as masculine like he's skinny as well like in stature Mm -hmm. listen them big bulky fighting masculine super muscle guys they not packing like the skinny boys so she actually made the wrong choice that was all i'm saying so 
And again, I don't that think, didn't work out the way you thought it would, boo. <laughs> again, I think she wanted somebody who was gonna be just more aggressive and more assertive. And I think in a way, he was just allowing her to take the lead and go go slow with it. Cause he's like, you know, we don't know each other, even though we think we know each other, hint on hint that we've been in the room with the with each other this long. We don't. Like, you know, our bodies communicate very differently. Like, oh. Am so I attracted I know, to this person? Is the chemistry really there? I so I know the more timid guy, um, what he looked like. What did the MMA fighter look like? White? Oh no, he was like Hispanic, I think. I think he was Hispanic. Yeah, or, Latin lovers will get you wrapped up, boy. And you know what? She was Hispanic too. <laughs> so maybe that's what she needed. Maybe that's what she was like. This is really what I want. This is what, but at the at the end of the day, she did not say that until literally the guy, Marshall, who really liked her was like, you're just not who I thought you were. Like, you just you don't seem like you like me. I don't feel like the attraction is there. Like, what do you want from me? Is it something I'm doing wrong? And she was like, yeah, like, actually, yeah, it's not going to work. <laughs> and she just waited so till the last minute to you. say that. What you so... Oh, they they didn't rob us of the reunion. The thing was, they kept saying it was going to be live and that it would go live on Sunday. However, Netflix actually had some issues. So basically, like they had a it was botched for some reason. A lot of viewers were getting like a an error message from Netflix that it wasn't showing up. And then Netflix was actually on their social channels like, hey, guys, we're going to we're having a few delays. We're going to be starting late. We're going to be starting late. And they're still posting like, yes, we're recording this live. They're um, posting images of the cast members this season. And you can see them being on stage. So it's like, okay, Netflix, what the fuck is going on? Like they there, mm -hmm. what's happening? So basically it was some sort of like technical error or technical glitch. And they sent out like a apology, but I'm like, Netflix, yeah, I just hosted Chris Rock two, three <laughs> weeks ago. What the hell? So they were trying to stream it live as well? Yes, they were going Does to- Does Netflix do that? So they've just started doing that. That's why I said they mm. did that with Chris Rock with his special and I didn't watch it live. It was live and now you can um, watch it on there. You can stream it on there, but they just did it. So people, I guess people were just thinking, okay, it's going to go fine. It's going to go smooth. Nope. So basically you had to wait until like Monday for it to be posted. And it was very underwhelming very underwhelming like again when I finally had these conversations in person I don't know if it's just because I am used to drama and mess from watching like the real housewives of Atlanta reunions where they're going right. in on each other and they going off like I just don't feel like the host who I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with them do you know Nick Nick um Nick Lachey and Vanessa Lachey mm -hmm. So they're the creators. Nick Lachey, he was um, he was Jessica uh, Simpson. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So they're the hosting creators of the show. So they were hosting the reunion, but I'm just like, they didn't even do the reunion justice because she was not getting on the questions that I wanted her to. And two, again, back to that couple that Mariah mentioned earlier, Jackie and Marshall, Jackie wasn't even there in person. Like, Damn. she didn't talk to the rest of the cast. They did her interview, like, separately with the guy, Josh. And then they brought that back up with the guy, Marshall, as he was sitting in front of everybody. Uh. So, all in all, 
zeros across the board. <laughs> yeah, I hate I hate when they try not to give you a reunion. Like I don't know why Black Ink doesn't ever have a reunion. I Girl, don't know. Black Ink, they would kill each other. That's why. <laughs> I'm here for it. That's what I want. <laughs> black Ink would literally kill each other. Wait, even now I'm thinking, which Black Ink? Like I Any watched of them. Girl, they would kill each other. Black Ink and BK and Black Ink Chicago. They would literally be <laughs> on there fighting. I want it the all. Death. Mm-mm. I want it no, all. No, I could not do it with because either one of them. I feel, I feel the reunion, especially in these black reality TVs, are really any of them like the Real Housewives. The mm-hmm. reunion is your time to call people out on their lies. It's time to <laughs> roll the tape, and I just don't rob me of that. Very mm-hmm. true. Very I true. Mean, I, you saw how Boots came from New York at the reunion. I want reunions like that. You know what I'm saying? Like flavor, flavor reunion type. They had something I'm to prove back to then. Old school reality TV, baby. They had something to prove back then. <laughs> <laughs> Nowadays, people just, just like paving away. They were literally <laughs> scrapping. Had to had to make it from the bottom to get where they at now. Because there's no way I would be on reality television acting that way. But again, Love Is Blind just did not do it. So I'm like. Why would y'all set us up for failure like this? But I don't know. Maybe I'm going to get more into my reality dating show bag. Because, again, reality dating shows are so freaking messy. Like, me personally, would I do it? Absolutely not. No. But. And I'll watch every bit of it. I'll watch every bit of it. And I would be willing to go on a reality dating show if it was one of the shows where they just put you on a resort. Like in a villa, because I can just say I'm on vacation. <laughs> I think I could do a reality show. I really do. I think I could specifically do that one. What's that reality show where you gotta go on there? Where I want to do the gotta... circle. No, yes, I want. I think Tazzy and I would be mm-hmm. so great on the circle. But I want to do the reality show where you have to go on the island and can't nobody have sex with each other. Because oh, I too could do hot that. to handle. Too hot Baby, to handle. They can't touch catch each other. Me, I am gonna be in the sun and. You can't touch me. You legally, legally, you can't touch me. But also with the show, you can't touch me. So we're all good. Th- we're all good here. So I, I, that's the type of re- reality dating show I would be on. And there's always somebody that's gonna make a fool of themselves. I would love to just be the girl that gets the free alcohol and the free food, and shows up when it's time for eliminations, and flies so far under the radar that. Oh, that's like I feel that's. I feel that's the energy that Phaedra was giving. Do you, you say you watch Housewives. Did you watch the Ultimate Girls Trip? I did not, but I know everybody keeps saying to watch it because it's hilarious. Okay, season two, they brought Phaedra back. And when I tell you Phaedra was just sitting in the background, just taking it all in, like, mm, look how they acting. Let me eat my food. <laughs> like, and she was just, she was on vacation. That's that's the energy that she was giving. And ooh, that would be these girls is acting crazy, but I'm gonna just sit over here, mind my business, okay? That would be me. Like put me on Temptation Island, Love Island, any of those shows. Like when it would be time for drama, I would be nowhere to be found. Like if anything, they might see me on camera going to the kitchen to get like some food and then going back out to the pool or just like moseying around, but to really like be the person that escalates things. Like I even remember growing up watching Bad Girls Club, like throwing people's mattresses and pools and shit. No, absolutely not. Yeah, I could see oh. him get 
a, some fun B-roll, oh. like, with popcorn eating and being like, oh, this is Bad Girls crazy. Club. What I don't like about Bad Girls Club is these girls are pushing each other to the limit, and then they get kicked off if they put their hands. They're asking for it. And you're hiding behind the protection of this show. Because you try that with me, and hands are going to have to be thrown. Like, what are you doing? And then now we have Baddies West where they can throw hands all the time. And I'd be like, damn, I wish that y'all weren't allowed to throw hands because there is no show. So, I mean, what they balance just, do you have? And they fight for no damn like reason. They just, like, to be, they just want to be as annoying as possible. Honestly, on Bad Girls Club, I knew what y'all was getting to scrapping. On baddies west i'm like i'm watching it and i'm keeping up with it and i am a little ashamed to say so because i anybody that knows me knows that i am not a reality tv girl but i'm keeping up with this one and it's just cuckoo bananas like why are we fighting this girl for calling you out on your shit or why are we on the private jet fighting in the air like you can you can't be on the no fly list like and i i feel like if it was the why is everybody being like she need to be in another room and we all gonna try and fight her one by one like if we just we could have a really good show if y'all bitches would just baby, stop scrapping they be on there tearing each other up like literally you can look at them one way breathe one way and it's up and yep best of luck to them could i be there doing any of that i wouldn't even want to just be damn it the camera crew why are y'all just beating on each other like this like this enough is enough obviously a majority of you all have anger issues and i think <laughs> if anything we need to bring in a yala vinzant to sit down with everybody so we can really just get this out now and you don't move forward through life just thinking this is okay i would love for the show to take that type of shift but natalie ain't got no coops either so Natalie, oh my gosh, who's Tommy is on there too. Mm -hmm. Tommy, her oh, I love Tommy. I said Tommy is going crazy, and her assistant is like got her back. I was like, ah, that could never be her personal assistant because I, I wonder if like to be Tommy's personal assistant, you got to fight her first. <laughs> you can't be my assistant unless you can't be my assistant <laughs> if you go straight to the ground. You got to stay on your feet for at least the. 30 seconds for you to be on my team like i really feel like that i could not speaking mm -mm. of speaking of people y'all remember speaking of baddies and true crime you know that um wait you said baddies and true crime yes what's okay. her name throw it in rotation throw it in rotation oh crap why can't i think of this bitch's name right now hold on um everybody trying to fight her on baddies um Shit, that's your show. I know, girl. Can't even think it. Stunner girl. I didn't even have to look it up. Stunner girl. Apparently, mm -hmm. y'all, because remember they said it on the first episode. Stunner girl was in prison because <laughs> I really Stunner girl could fight, so I don't know if I'm gonna a lot. But you know she was in prison, right? Because she and her friends, I don't know what happened, but they set up this girl because the girl, I don't know what the girl did, but her and her friends put this girl in a, they beat her ass, put her in a dog cage. A dog cage. Remember and, and they tortured her for like days on end. The girl survived, so she's not a murderer. She won't end up on our show. But like, she went to prison and she's out obviously, and she's on baddies. But I just really feel like, what if you were the girl that got tortured by this bitch and now she, famous and making money and people 
and they brushed by the story so quickly like it was like kidnapping it was kidnapping and torture yeah they put that girl in a dog cage for days Mm, 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 mm. Oh, for days and like better in the cage why did she stay in there they was mad at her i don't know mm, they locked it like with a lock like a bolt lock yeah, yeah. she was yeah. locked in the dog cage like i lock rex up for shitting in the house like my dog doesn't yeah. that dog cage would have been baroque okay <laughs> i would have Hulked my way out of that thing. Are you kidding me? And everybody's getting it afterwards. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. That is huh? crazy. That is crazy. It's no other way that, like, you a little bit too, you too, you too, you too thug for me. You kidnapping me. <laughs> you kidnapping people and throwing them in cages? Is this narcos? And she had like, <laughs> she had like ten, I think they said that she had a whole bunch of men help her too. Like she, she hood ass bitch. And I just, mm -mm, I don't want to cross a girl. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Oh yeah, because it was with Cuban doll. The mm -hmm. other little rapper girl. That's look, up her, look, look up her mugshot. You two gangsters. They didn't even take her me. wig off. She said one thing, her wig don't move. And I seen her fight and that wig ain't move. I am weak. Not they so scared of you, they let you keep your wig on. You too bad for me. You No, nah, you too bad for me. Mm -mm. That's crazy. But I mean, I know they all be on it. So best of luck to those ladies in that industry. But will it be me? No. Again, I'm not even being behind the camera for that type of stuff. Mm-mm no time but you guys that is it for this week's episode it has been a pleasure recording with the ladies of the sisters who kill podcast ladies you want to tell my listeners where they can find you at sure so there is plenty of ways to find us every friday wherever you listen to podcasts you can find us sisters who kill s-i-s-t-a-s -S who kill um, you can follow us on Twitter, Sisters Who Kill, on Instagram, Sisters Who Kill Pod, on TikTok, Sisters Who Kill Podcast, and on Facebook, the public Facebook page, Sisters Who Kill. Yeah, that's where you can find us. Well, that is it, you guys. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to Annoyed Not Offended with See It. Have a question or interested in sharing an annoyance of your own to be read on the show? Email annoyednotoffended at gmail.com. Also, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Annoyed Not Offended for more hilarious content and updates on the show. And please leave us a positive review on iTunes. Until next time, bye.